Oh, what's going on? It's the Tamale Mafia podcast where everything and nothing collide. How are you guys doing? Have you guys had a great week or what? Let me tell you something. My week has been pretty phenomenal. I've had a great week, but I am so excited because when I when I launched this podcast a few weeks ago, I was I didn't know what to expect, okay? The first podcast had some had some listens and I was like, "Wow, it's cool. I got a little bit of feedback." You know, it was pretty awesome. I was excited about that. And then um Second episode came out, and I had like, now we went from just listening, you know, counting the ability the ability to count listens or whatever, uh, to actually counting downloads. So, um, the you know that second week we had some, I had some downloads. It was like twenty downloads, and I was super stoked. Uh, I was like, dude, that's way more than I expected. And then episode three came out and had we had like I think 80 or something 75 or so 70 I don't know 70 something downloads in 7 days. So I was I mean that was mind blowing to me because I mean I was like super stoked and excited about the 20 downloads and I thought if these 20 people will listen again, you know, then that's kind of a, my recurring audience, but I wasn't expecting for that episode 3 to to jump up. So in the life of the podcast, we've had over 100 now downloads, uh, which is pretty sweet. And I promise you, it's not all me creating accounts and downloading the uh, podcast on iTunes over and over again. Promise you. Maybe somebody else doing that, which is super funny. And if it is, then let me know, because that is hilarious. But um, anyway, so far had some some downloads so the this little thing is is very very small but it's growing a little bit a uh, little by little so I'm excited about that so continue to you know hit me some with some feedback continue to to share if you can if you like it enough you know I know it's been difficult to get into the content I'm still trying to set the pace I'm still trying to learn here you know trying not to do the annoying annoying things that every time I listen I'm like oh shit that was stupid so you know, I'm trying to cut some of that stuff out and trying to learn and be conscious of it. There's a lot to think about um, when you're going through this, kind of through the process of just recording, but trying to get better, trying to get better in my edits, because I do kind of edit some out some of the stuff out that's, you know, boring or redundant or too stupid or too many, you know, like this, too many pauses, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, or if it's like heavy breathing in the microphone like you want guys you know that's uh nobody wants to hear that so i'm trying to get better about keeping some of that stuff out and getting having a cleaner episode so hopefully eventually as we get better at this as you guys engage the content more um will you be able you you will feel good about sharing it with your friends or you're not just checking it out because you know me and you're going to be giving me a chance continuing to give me a chance so Please keep hanging with me. I appreciate you guys so much. Keep hanging with me through this process. I promise you it's going to get better. Uh, I say that every week, and I think every week it has gotten a little bit better. So um, don't be afraid to hit me with some feedback. You know, like, hey, you're sucking this really bad. Um, this is really super boring. Nobody cares what you're talking about. You know, don't be mean. I guess you can be mean if you want to. I mean, I don't care. But, you know, if you like 
this what's going on here if you like what what I'm doing then you know it'd be nice to hear that too so sometimes I'm kind of just putting it out there and I'm like you know what's the reaction going to be the downloads um is a good reaction but I don't know if those are going to repeat like if that's like somebody listened to the episode and went like fuck no I'm not listening to this. this is horrible I'm not wasting my time on this again so maybe you know my downloads this next week will be like two this week is a special week because it's the it's the big the big corporate hallmark marketing event week with the big heart the big pink hearts everywhere red hearts cupid arrows and you know that kind of stuff it is valentine's week everybody's thinking about and talking about love or how they hate valentine's day or how they hate love or how they you know whatever everybody's got an opinion and it's being shared all across social media. It's being shared. You know, you can't watch TV without um, being bombarded with some kind of advertisement for her, for him, the perfect gift, you know, that kind of stuff. And I mean, some people, the ideas that people have of the perfect gift is, I'm like, wow, uh, I'm not currently in a relationship, in a romantic relationship, you know, it's been a little while since I've been in one, but I... I can't imagine doing like for Valentine's Day, like the perfect Valentine's gift being like a matching pair of MeUndies from MeUndies.com. I have shopped at MeUndies.com. Their undies are amazing. But besides that, I mean, forget the quality. Just the idea of doing a matching pair of underwear with your significant other is just, I don't know. Would you do that? I... I don't know if I could do that. Um, I'd just like to see see the, the other person's face when you try to play that off as your Valentine's gift. Like if Valentine's is a big thing to you and you're in your significant other and you know that, then why would you do that as a gift? I think if Valentine's Day is like a nothing day for you for you and your significant other, you, you just, you don't care. Um, you know, if you're a dude, you know that she doesn't really care. She's not into it. She thinks it's a big corporate scam. Don't waste your money. I'll be pissed if you do waste your money. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and you already shop at MeUndies.com, then freaking do that and have a big laugh about it, you know. Um, but I just, I don't know, man. Um, you know, I see these advertisements like Victoria's Secrets, like, you know, special gift for her or whatever. Ah, I don't know. Is that like giving your significant other the gift that you've been wanting? Like, like, oh man, this, uh, the new, this new Xbox one game is out and I've been really been wanting it. So I'm going to get that for her for, for, uh, Valentine's day. And then she's going to hate it. And then I'll get to play it. And it's gonna be awesome. Maybe you didn't even have that kind of devious thought. Maybe it's just like, She's going to love this because she loves playing games with me. So I'm going to get her my favorite game so we can play together. You know, something stupid like that if you're kind of an idiot. Especially, okay, if, if you're like, if she's like a mom of multiple kids, young ones, you know, she's with them all the time. She's, she's maybe she's a stay-at-home mom. She's running a business, you know, whatever the scenario is where the much better gift i think would be like hey i'm getting the house cleaned for you on friday <laughs> um 
dinner's taken care of, the kids are taken care of, you're going to go like get your nails done. That's kind of my idea of like, you want to do something special for the person you love, then you you would serve them in that way. Like, here, let me give you uh, something that you will really appreciate, like, that's just for you. That's not a selfish kind of gift at all. It's just for you. Something for just that just you would enjoy. Maybe I'm digging myself a hole here. I don't know. Um, but I, I just think that the, the whole, like, underwear gift is just, it's just not creative enough to me. It's a given. It's like, you know, chocolate candy and flowers. It's, ugh. Don't be that guy, you know? And Unless that's the guy that your girl wants. But if you don't specifically know that, don't be that guy, that chocolate candy flowers guy. Like, think outside the box. Write her a song or, you know, even if, especially if you can't sing. That's, that's hilarious. That's a hilarious gift right there. That is something she would really appreciate. You know, make her dinner and you're like, you're not the guy that cooks. You never cook. You're never in the kitchen. But you learn how to freaking make a, a meal for her that she's going to love. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm way off base here. I don't know. I had, Like I said, I haven't been in a romantic relationship in years. So maybe I'm so far out of the loop. I'm just... Being, I'm, you know, I'm speaking ignorantly. I'm being an idiot with this, you know, creative ideas, creative gift giving, or something. You know, I think, um, I think if you if you just maybe like just record a yourself singing her favorite song on 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 your little uh, cell phone recorder, and then send it to her on Valentine's Day morning. You know. So she plays that little voicemail, like, you singing that that tune. That's kind of cute, you know? I mean, if somebody did that for me, I'd be like, damn, that was thoughtful. That was, you took some time out of your day. You didn't just, like, watch a commercial and go, oh, I'll do that. You know, like, you, you thought outside the box a little bit. I don't know, that's all I'm saying. Just be creative. Relationships are hard to begin with. They can they can be difficult. They can be rewarding. They can be amazing. But they're they're always there's always gonna be work involved um in in a relationship and you know whether that's uh friendship or family relationship or romantic relationship with you know relationship with your significant other relationship with your ex-spouse because of your co-parenting you know whatever the the situation is just interactions with people um can be difficult and and can be a challenge, you know, sometimes I think sometimes we make those challenges harder on ourselves by the choices that we make. You know, I was like a young when I started thinking like girls are fine. God created something amazing when he created the female. I was always kind of intrigued or by the idea of like love and being in love and my kind of, foundational idea of family and stuff. And what with, like I said last week with my, my mom being very, very family oriented, it was like, dude, you grow up and you have a family, you get married and you have kids and this is what you do. You, you carry on the family name, you know? And I remember like my, my very first crush, uh, that I like celebrity crush when I was like, dude, 
Daisy Duke from the Dukes of Hazard. That was, I mean, holy cow! When I when I when I saw that, you know, when I saw her in the in the shorts on TV with the white jeep and the boots, I mean, I was just like, whoa! This, you know, this is some. There's this is this is a an angel, you know. Um, and I remember like, like having an, an imaginary version of her, of Daisy Duke, that was like my wife when I was a little kid, you know, I didn't understand, you know, all the other sides of it or whatever. I was like, you know, you're supposed to grow up and have a wife. And so it was, she was my imaginary dream wife, you know, Daisy Duke. Um, but I, uh, as I got older, I was I was still, you know, my interest in, in girls was always, like, present. I don't even remember a time where I was just like, ew, cooties, or something like that. You know, I was just always like, girls are cool, and I want to hang out with them. Um, and I always had friends growing up that were girls. And so, uh, as I got older, you know, then, then you start thinking about dating. And, you know, I remember my first girlfriend and, uh, you know, how that lasted, like, three months and we were like, you know, long-term relationship in the, in the youth group. I remember getting a girlfriend always revolved around, uh, about the time of prom alternative, which was like the big Valentine's day date thing that church groups, youth groups did at the time from the like North Texas area, everybody would gather and there would be like other, you know, churches with people that you were familiar with like ah I saw I remember you from last year you know oh you're that crazy guy with the suit you know whatever and that was a lot of pressure there cuz it was like prom alternatives coming up and you can take a date now I was I was not allowed to date and dating in our kind of religious church circle was not really something that you did it wasn't like um it was something that some people did but it wasn't something that I did it was like it was not allowed you know it was not encouraged it was not really allowed. So the catch to that was prom alternatives coming up and you can take a date to prom alternative, you know, because the pictures are cute and that kind of stuff. And it's a church thing. It's church sponsored. So, you know, there's, you know, it's going to be safe. So that was about the time when the pressure was hitting like, okay, I got to, there's, you know, there's guys in this youth group and there's girls in this youth group. And these guys are all going to be asking these girls and I got to be in, you know, I got to get in there. The competition was hot, you know, I got to get in there and ask somebody to go to prom alternative with me. So I was always like, I got the date, you know, we went on the date, the prom alternative date. And then it was like, you know, within, within a couple of days, it's like, do you want to be my girlfriend? You know, you take that next step and then there's really nothing to that. There's no like follow up. Um, and then you, quote unquote date for as long as you can really stand each other until you're just like, this was stupid. Uh, and then you're like, I think we should break up or whatever. And you're trying to beat each other to it. Like, no, I was about to tell you that we, uh, we should break up, you know? Um, and you try to be, no, I broke up with her. Nah, she said she broke up with you, dude. And like, I was at the same time. It was mutual. You know, we both said it at the same time. We were like approaching each other with a look in her eye, you know? You're trying to like play it off like you were the one that that called a shot. It was stupid, but I guess I kind of I kind of developed a little bit of a, a reputation for myself because I was you know it was like you you go out with a girl for a couple of weeks, but then a new girl inevitably there was always going to be a new girl coming to church, and then you're like boom, 
I got to ask her to, uh, you know, go to the Carmen concert, some, you know, whatever was going on in the nineties, DC talk concerts coming up, uh, you know, Hey, you want to sit with me? You know, summer camp's coming up. You want to be my bus partner, <laughs> like right in the bus together, whatever. Stupid stuff. All of my dating, um, career re- revolved around church youth group. So once I got out of church youth group, I was a little bit lost. Like, what do you do now? As you get older, you're like 17, 18, 19. The starts, you start really getting the pressure. Like, okay, I got to kick into another gear here. I got to, you know, now when you're asking somebody out, you're really asking them out. There's like real dates and there's real one-on-one time and there's real get to know you. And the, the you know, if there's a fight, it's a real fight. You know what I mean? It kind of gets it starts to get a little bit more serious, and you know, I was still like, I like all the girls, you know, whatever. Um, but there was this one, you know, it was like you go to you go to summer camp. I was in a band, okay. That was the key. You wanna you if you wanna like meet any girl in in the vicinity of your you know, your reach, whatever your reach is, your circle, you want to, you want to just, I mean, I'm not talking about being like a a man whore or anything like that. I was definitely was not, but I had a lot of friends and I hung out with a lot of girls and I was, you know, kind of popular with the girls. So it was like, you want to be that, that person, get a guitar, right? Put a strap a guitar on, learn some tunes, start singing some songs, especially if you start singing some songs they know from the radio like, I think, I don't know, I think one of the big hits that we used to sing all the time, me and my buddies, was Kiss Me, uh, which is, you know, or, you know, it's you and me and all of the people, just, you know, stuff like that, and they grow like, oh my goodness, I love that song. We know you love that song. That's why we sing it. That's why the guys that that wrote it, wrote it, you know? Um, So, you learn those songs, you start singing those songs, you... you always put yourself in a position where somebody's going to hear you singing, you know, and that's how you, you meet people. Right. But I go to summer camp and I meet this girl and I was like, this girl, there's something special about this girl. Um, she was very competitive, which I like. I like a girl that's very competitive. I like a girl that is not afraid to throw elbows in a competition to, you know, body check someone into a wall uh, to get to slide face first through a pile of mud to get the score, you know what I mean? That that is so awesome. To me. Competitive girls are awesome to me. All right, I love it. So, competitive girl, athletic girl, you know, good personality, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's like, hey, uh, get the phone number, ask her out. We go on a little date. Next thing you know, it's like. Three years later, four years later, we're getting married. Um, you know, it was love. It was it was love at, at like first sight, kind of, <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe third sight for her, you know. Um, but we were, I mean, we were young, you know. We were, we were just kids. Like, I think she was, I don't know, I think we were like 17 and 19 when we met, something like that. And then by the time we're tw- I was 23, we were... We were getting married. Um, 
I'm not even gonna go into all the details of, of everything. There was it was it was a kind of a rough relationship. We we were young. We didn't know what we were doing. We're we're very opposites kind of people. Uh, I made a lot of bad bad decisions. She made some bad decisions, I believe. I, you know, there was responsibility on both sides. That we just we we should have called it uh, at like six months or so. You know, into the thing, um, we should have we should have called it, but we didn't. And whether that was, you know, my, my persistence or whatever it was, you know, we, we didn't call it. We, we just kept, we would, we would get, you know, break up and get back together and break up and get back together for whatever reasons. And there was a point where I was like, you know, this is like a cosmic universe kind of, kind of a thing that keeps bringing us together. And, you know, I I was just. I think trying to make excuses and I don't know, a lot of it was like, you know, uh, maybe pride. Cause you know, or maybe early on people, some people said, you know, I don't think y'all should, I don't think y'all should be together. Y'all aren't going to make it or whatever. And it was, you know, I was like, ah, yeah, I'm going to prove that, that we're going to, we can do this, I guess. I don't know. It was a, it was kind of a rough thing. We ended up, we, anyway, we got married and then the the relationship, the marriage relationship was rough. You know, it was just a continuation of what we were already going through. It didn't really change things for the better. I think it changed things for the worse, and things just kind of deteriorated. So I don't. I'm not going to go into all of that. But the the point is, uh, coming out of that really shook me up in a lot of ways. You know, divorce is is uh, brutal. I I don't understand people how people. Um, get divorced and like three weeks later they're in a relationship with somebody else. You know, they've been married for five or 10 years or 20 years or whatever. They get divorced three weeks later. They're, they're, they're madly in love with somebody else. And you know, I don't get that. I, I didn't have that experience. So I can't identify with that because my experience was when I went through my divorce, I was devastated. It, it, even though the, the writing had been on the wall for years, even though, it was like not a shock to any person that that's how it, it ended up. Uh, it was still devastating because we had two kids and there's just a, a major sense of failure that hits you. I think it hit me. I don't know if it, you know, if, if it hits other people, but it was just like, dude, I've been fantasizing about being a dad and a husband having a family since I was, I mean, I I would say my whole life, you know, since I had consciousness of what that meant, what that was, even if I didn't really knew, know what it meant, I just, you know, the the idea of it had been in my brain for so long, and it was like, this is what I wanted so bad, and then for it to just end the, the way it did, and it wasn't, it really wasn't a good ending, you know, it wasn't like we just shook hands and said, see you later, this isn't working, you know, we we it was a struggle. It was very uh, there's a lot of conflict in it. So when I came out of it, I was devastated. It like shook me up, um, and I didn't know how to how to handle it. In fact, I didn't know how to handle being in it, much less how to handle being out of it. So I I would just I just fell apart. I went into a very self destructive kind of mode. I went I went into I was like drinking a lot and I was doing painkillers just to sleep at night and and then I would get up and I would drink before work or I would drink at lunch and then you know getting 
completely hammered on the weekends and I was in a band again. I got, you know, I started another band and we started playing out and doing uh, shows in bars and I was getting hammered in bars and I was traveling and getting hammered out on the road and, you know, it just wasn't good. It wasn't, I wasn't handling things well at all. So that whole self-destructive mode that hit me was, it like propelled me into uh, very dangerous kind of like just dangerous situations. Okay. I was, I was waking up in places that I didn't remember going, you know, or how I got there exactly and experiencing things that I never thought I would have experienced and making decisions that I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that last night. You know, that kind of stuff. Sometimes not remembering what I did last night and then being getting text messages or, you know, phone calls like, dude, you won't believe what you did last night. And I'm like, that's why I can't find my shirt, you know, that kind of stuff. I was just a mess. Um, and I, I, I think I hit it pretty well. Cause I don't think everybody knew that I was a mess. I was still like leading my band and having a full-time job and trying to be a parent, you know, on the weekends and that kind of stuff. And it was just, I don't know. It was a mess. But I tried really hard to hide it. I think some people knew, some people sensed that I was messed up. Um, and it just became really extremely overwhelming the more and more i the more and more that i kind of just dove in head first into i'm going to destroy me the more overwhelming the whole situation became and i was trying to destroy myself yet i was trying to create you know keep up this facade that everything was fine so i got to a point where i was just like you know what i'm going to i can't do this anymore i can't i can't I really can't take this um and I remember being in my kitchen and it was like kind of, it was just dark. I think the, it was starting to rain or something. Um, but I just remember being in my kitchen and going to my cabinet and opening the cabinet and just pulling out every thing I had, every bottle, every pill, dumping them on the counter. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what all I took. I think some of it was probably like, uh, what's that called? Antibiotics or something, you know, it was like something you get it prescribed when you have a head cold, you know, that kind of stuff. I was just like, I'm just, whatever's there, I'm taking it, scooped it all into my hand and just swallowed it down. And I know that it was, I, it, I mean, half of the pile at least was um, painkillers and so I go, I, I, I was a little nervous and I was like, dude, I'm really doing this. And I had kind of had like many moments of that where I would dump, maybe I would normally take one or two painkillers, but th you know, this time I would take like six, you know, just to see what that felt like and how far that would push, you know? So I think this time I took like 12 or more. Uh, and I was nervous. I was like, dude, I don't know what it's going to feel like. And um, I was pretty sure it, I mean, at the, at the time it was, it was like, I was thinking suicide. I was thinking this might kill me, but it wasn't like I, I was, uh, that committed to the act of it. You know, I, I wasn't going to shoot myself or hang myself or anything like that. I was just like, I'm going to take every pill I have. And if it kills me, that's cool. I'm totally fine with that. If it doesn't, 
ugh, I don't want to really wake up after this. You know, it was just the moment, the, the kind of thought process that I was in. So I remember I, I laid down on, on the floor and then I started thinking like, if I do die, uh, whoever's going to find me here is, it, I don't want them to see like my face. So I pulled, I got a blanket and a pillow and I laid down on the living room floor and I pulled the blanket over my head. Cause I just was like, I don't, I don't want anybody to see me. I think they'll get the picture, like they'll get the hint, you know, hopefully. And I fell asleep. And was certain in that process of going to sleep that I was not going to wake up. Uh, and and then I did. I woke up. And um, it was like, I don't know. I don't even really, I'm not really even sure, but I, it was like, the next day or and a half later or something when I got up, it was like 28 hours or something more later. Uh, and I, I just like woke up and was like, Oh gosh, I'm still here, you know? Uh, and I, I stood up and I walked over to the window in the living room and I pulled open the blinds and just watched it rain and watched the raindrops roll down my windows and traced them with my fingers, you know, just kind of stood there like thinking like, what the hell do I do now? I was, I was really hoping that I hadn't, that I wasn't going to wake up, but I did. And now I don't know what the fuck to do with myself. So, uh, I picked up my guitar and I started writing some music and I just kind of went back into my routine and, I'd like to say that that was like the, the this ground-shaking wake-up call for me, and it really wasn't because I just kind of continued on the path that I was on, but I was I was more aware, like self-aware, and I was more a little more shaken about my existence. Like, man, that was weird, um, and now I don't know what to do because I felt like I had pushed myself to the limits, and I didn't know – I wasn't really ready to, to go – any steps further than that but I didn't know how to backtrack from that either you know I was just stuck several other things happened and I had some like kind of like these moments where I was like I think if I don't change something I'm gonna end up in jail and I wasn't afraid of dying it was I definitely wasn't afraid of dying I wasn't afraid the thought of like this could kill me didn't scare me at all I was like that's fine but what did scare me was the thought of ending up like in prison or jail or something and being isolated from my loved ones, but still being alive and aware of it. Like, that's what scared me. Like, if I, th- I, was, I always thought if I died, I mean, it's going to suck for them, but I won't be aware of it. So it's not going to, I'm not going to feel lonely or anything. I won't feel anything. That's the mentality I had. I was very selfish and very like self-focused. So once I realized like some of these decisions I'm making and the things that I'm going that I'm doing could put me in not death but prison. <laughs> uh and if I do that, then that would be like the ultimate suck. The idea of being isolated from from people and freedom was like that's what shook me up the most. 
And that's when I was like, okay, I got to make some changes here. I got to quit drinking. I got to quit doing drugs. I got to quit everything. And I did. I stopped. It was like pretty cold turkey. Just, I think maybe a few weeks after I made the decision to stop, I had a beer or something like that. And I was like, well, I didn't even finish it. And I'm kind of sketchy on the time timeline. There was another time where I took a bunch of painkillers and got really sick from it. But I don't, I mean, there's like two year gap of time in my timeline. That is very sketchy. Like I really don't have a lot of memories, solid memories or idea of the timeline, like how it pieced together chronologically. I have memories of things, but I don't know in what order they really happened in. So once I got out of all of that, once all of that, once I like purified my system of all that crap, that's when like real change became a priority to me. Like real, the idea of really changing because I was thinking something led me there and I had always been pointing to like my, my divorce. Oh, it's my divorce. And this, you know, all this anger about that and this and that, you know, blah, 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 blah. But over time, as I kind of as I got my thoughts became more clear, and I you know got really like grounded in myself and spirituality and faith and that kind of stuff, it became very clear to me that there was some other thing. You know, it was it wasn't my divorce that did this to that made that made me this way. You know, it wasn't that that moment that very destructive kind of like hurtful thing yeah it happened it was a, a painful event but something else happened it was like i, I read a thing the other, i don't know who posted it on facebook somebody posted it on facebook and i i was reading through it and i was like this is this is pretty good logic here it's like if you uh if you if you have a coffee mug full of coffee and somebody bumps into you and the coffee spills out you know why did the coffee spill out is because the coffee was in the mug if you had put water in the mug then water would have spilled out or tea then tea would have spilled out you know whatever's inside when you get hit or shaken up that's what comes out so my like my reactions and actions from my my divorce you know that was it was something that was inside that the the thing that shook me up just pushed out what was inside so this this you know I kind of started thinking like what what was it like what is the thing that made me this way you know why did i choose alcohol and drugs in as a coping mechanism why did i do that why why did i choose to self-destruct to the point where i was willing to die for my stupid choices you know why did i do that what brought me there it had to it couldn't have started with my you know i met a girl at summer camp it couldn't have been that it could not have been that even though there was good times and bad times, and I think you know, I think it was bigger. It was a there was a bigger picture that I wasn't seeing, and I kept saying that was the thing. Every time somebody said, "What's your story, man?" Oh, bro, I got divorced. It, I always started my story with "I got divorced." I was like twenty seven, twenty eight years old already. So I started thinking, like, why, why does my story start there? Why don't I start from before? Like, what happened? There's 28 years that I'm just skipping over like they didn't happen. And I'm just starting here with this event. And yeah, it was a big event. Okay. 
I get that. But why did that event stick out in my story? And so I started digging further, like what happened when I was 27 and 26 and 25 and 23 and 19 and 18 and 15, you know? And uh, the further back I went, the harder it got to talk about, the harder it got to think about, the the more painful the memories became. And I was I was kind of like, I was a little bit lost in that. Like, what is that about? I don't understand why my story starts here. And if I push harder, then my story could start when I was 19, when I met my wife, you know, my ex-wife now. And we had this story, you know. But what happened before that? There was the teenage years and there was the childhood years. And uh, my brother taught me about this little meditation technique where you kind of calm yourself and you, you ask the universe or the ether or your... Uh, memory bank or, you know, whatever it is that dr- that drives you, God, or whatever it is, you know, you ask that thing to kind of help you see the things that are blocking you from moving forward, the things that are holding you back, the things that you haven't been able to heal from. And, you know, he kind of walked me through that, this process of meditation. And so I started doing that. And, oh, and that's when I realized for the first time that I had been sexually abused as a kid by a family friend because up to the up to that point I had a skewed view of what that was because there wasn't really any memories of it there is lots of missing memories there's lots of like I remember being in a room alone with this person but I don't remember what happened in that room I just remember being there you know that kind of stuff there were signs there over the years that I had never plugged into because I just never even fathomed that that could have that was what took place. But as I began to go through these med- through this meditation process and kind of like seeking for truth in my childhood and my past and my memories and you know it became a, it, it became a very apparent and very real to me like okay something happened and even if i can't remember the exact details of it i know for a fact something happened because i do have one very specific memory of something that happened with the same person when i was much older okay so even though there was what i believe things that happened as when i was really young i know something happened that was inappropriate and it wasn't like an obvious kind of thing it was just a touch it was just a grab and it lasted too long, and it was kind of like a one of the last times we were ever in the same place together. And I remember at the time, I was like, this isn't right. you know. But I didn't say anything because it was like a kind of a position of authority power thing. I remember thinking in my head, like, this isn't right, this isn't okay, but I don't know how to stop it because I think it's a joke. I think he's joking. I think it's a, it's like a, it's, it's. Maybe not the best joke for an adult to do to a young man, you know, but I, it was confusing. Okay. So I think there was some kind of, maybe, maybe that was a little bit of a power play or just a, let me test the waters or something. Maybe, I don't know, but I know I avoided, I tried to avoid a lot, any kind of one-on-one from there on out. It just was awkward. And then it was 
that really developed into like anger and stuff later. But I've I've kind of I've gone through this whole story, not because I lo- I enjoy talking about it because it's it's embarrassing, and it's it's uh you know it, it, I'm not trying to be like a, a thing where people are like you're so brave for talking about it like I don't really care about that I don't I don't feel like I'm brave for talking about it it's you know it's just. I think the more you talk about it, the easier it becomes and it, it kind of helps you process it and stuff. And so I think it's a little bit therapeutic to, to talk about it, but you know, I, I don't, um, I I just want I want to be careful how I, how I talk about it. I don't want anybody to think, Ooh, I wonder if I know who that was. Okay. Just let that go. The, the bigger, the bigger picture is that that, whole story once I realized that I had uh, I had relationship issues with people and trust issues that I didn't think I had but I you know I realized like man I was I was I made really poor decisions with my relationships and stuff over the years and uh I do have trust issues and I do have relation, some relationship problems and I do have like trouble with connecting and, you know, I have trouble with certain relationships with male figures. I have certain, you know, trouble with deep intimacy with women. And, you know, there's like, I had like these realizations, I guess, you know, over the years of, of me trying to like heal and move past the self-destructive stuff and just be like, you know, I, I, have so much to live for and I have two kids that need me and I have you know dreams and hopes and and I have the ability you know I have friends and I have family and I have people that love me and I love them back and you know I need to be the best version of me possible for my future and for these people that depend on me and in my pursuit of becoming the best version of me possible I had to go back I couldn't just stay where I was at and just kind of hope that the underlying monster, you know, just went away. I I didn't know what the monster was, but I had to find it, you know. I got to this place where I was like, I don't love myself. That was the big, that was the big thing. I don't love myself. That was the ultimate of all the other things that I've been, that I'd gone through and all the other healing and like forgiveness. And I went through this whole thing of, of like of forgiveness. And I went to, you know, AA meetings and I did all kinds of stuff and I went through the steps and, you know, I, of all those like things that I had done to be the best me possible, I still lacked the ability to love myself through it all. And to look at myself in the mirror every morning or throughout the day and go, I love that dude right there in the mirror. And that was, that was like the big one, you know, that was the big game. That was the big, oh my God, I need to, because just like with 
grace and forgiveness and all these other things, if you don't love you, how then can you extend love to anyone else? If you're not operating from a center of love, then how can you truly love anyone else? And so when I went through my relationship with my ex-wife and my marriage, I thought we were in love. I thought I loved her, but I did not. I was incapable of truly loving her because I didn't love myself. I had what I understood to be love. I had what I was like, this is love. But the true, like, not unconditional because humans are really conditional whether you want to admit it or not, but that sense of, like, deep, forgiving, graceful like gracious, whatever, love. Um, you can't extend that if you don't give that to yourself first. If you don't forgive yourself and have grace for yourself and truly, deeply, passionately love who you are so that when you look in the mirror, you go, man, that is a good person and I love you and you are valuable and you are worth everything that... that is that you have and that you've done and you are you're worthy you know if you can't speak those kind of words to yourself then how can you truly speak them to somebody else you can say them but how can you truly speak them from the heart to someone else and that's that was where i that was like the point the place where i had to had to come to and i extended forgiveness to the guy to the guy I had a whole thing that I went through with forgiving him and and extending grace to him because I'm sure there were things in his life that that hurt him and put him in a in a position that he was in that he hadn't that he never dealt with not a pass you don't get a pass for not dealing with your shit you have to deal with your shit you're responsible for that you don't get a pass but I can extend grace to you and I can extend forgiveness because I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold that check, that paycheck. You know, you, it's like you, you write a check to someone, you put their name on it and then you just carry it around with you. And I wasn't going to carry that, that check anymore with his name on it. I didn't want to see his, his name. I didn't want to see his face. I didn't want to see anything. I didn't even want to say you know, that he owed me something, you know, nothing. There was no connection there. I wanted to completely cut that off. And so I just, I forgave him. I said, dude, you know, I didn't meet with him face to face. I had the opportunity to, and I turned it down, but I just kind of told the world, like, I forgive you by name, called it out. I forgive you. And that was it. I was done. That was extremely difficult, but I was done with that. And so the the next step to becoming the best me possible was how to how to love me. And I'm still I'm still working through that. The negative talk still plays in. The negative talk still like you are unlovable. I struggle with accepting the uh, reciprocation of love because I don't, 
I struggle with loving me, so how can anybody else love me? You know? And this is this is the disconnect. This is where it starts to break down. And this is why it's so important to forgive and to extend grace, but then to do that for yourself. So here's the the message for for this week is you gotta love yourself. This is love week, right? This is the 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 big corporate pink and red hearts and cupid arrows and all this stuff. Put that stuff aside for a sec and focus on what matters. And what matters the most is that you love yourself. Because if you don't, then you can't operate from a center of love. You can't extend, truly extend love. You can't speak love from the heart. And and when you can love yourself and when you can start speaking love from the heart and not just saying the words but when your heart cries out love to someone else they know the difference and they will tell you that they feel what you say and they know what you say you know there's a difference between speaking it speaking the words and speaking from a place of love and so it is imperative. It's important. I mean, there's so much hatred. There's so much anger in the world. I think, I mean, I'm not trying to be a hippie message, you know, just love, you know. Don't lose it. Don't lose the message because it's important that when you look yourself in the, look at yourself in the mirror, you can say, I love you. Okay? Do it. Go today. Walk over to the mirror, write it on the mirror, whatever. I love you. And say it. Start saying it to yourself. I love you. I love you. Point yourself. Point at yourself. I love you, man. I love you. All right. Peace out. Molly Mafia podcast is brought to you by me. You'll find the music from this podcast and a bunch of other cool tunes over at bensound.com. For royalty-free music, check out bensound.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>